Hello there. You're listening to Dithering Preview. This is a monthly compilation of our regular podcast, Dithering, with me, John Gruber, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. You probably knew that if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so what we've got, our regular podcast is a paid podcast. You go to dithering.fm, you pay $5 a month or $50 a year, and you get three episodes a week. What's How long has it been? 15 minutes per episode, not a minute less, not a minute more. Three times a week on uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the morning, East and U.S. time. And it's uh, a lot of fun. I think you're going to like it. But what we do is we have this podcast, the preview podcast, where once a month we come out with clips from the previous month. This is for September 2020. And you can get a sample of what the show is actually like for free in this podcast. And then go to dithering.fm if you like it to sign up for the real deal. Let's get going. September 2nd, Australia's bad law. It's just a total impetus mismatch of, like you said, like the way the value of actual dollars flows. But there's this broad sense of, well, wait, we want journalism to exist, but all the ad money is going to these companies. So therefore, let's just figure, you know, ham-fistedly figure out a set of laws that will get the money from Facebook and Google who have all the ad money and give it back to the where we want it to be. And there's no real logical argument for why that should be other than that they want it to be. It's probably a very thick, complicated law, but it really comes down to wah. <laughs> That's exactly right. The issue here is it, it, it gets cause and effect all wrong. It compresses like 15, 20 years of history into Facebook and Google took publishers ad revenue. Because right. it's true, publishers used to have ad revenue, and now Facebook and Google have ad revenue. And there's a logical jump, which is, oh, it must be the case that Facebook and Google took their ad revenue. And, and, and they were like, did it maliciously, right? The reality is the internet took away their ad revenue by make, you know, destroying geographic monopolies, Craigslist, all those things that we've talked about. And then along the same time, actually a few years later, Google and Facebook came along and leveraged the internet to build great ad businesses and thus collected their revenue. But it doesn't mean A cause B, even though yeah. they're all in the same ad world. September 9th, Ben's Android review. I didn't see all your mentions, but I saw that tweet and I didn't think it was controversial in the least. I didn't think it was that controversial either. Well, the second mistake I made was I criticized developers. When I say developers, mm. like I mean like Facebook is a developer. Epic is a developer. Twitter is a developer. And I think a lot of individual Android developers took it as a sort of personal shot when actually the biggest problem was clearly management not prioritizing Android development. There's like features missing, like just in in all sorts of apps. There were just missing features, number one. And then number two, Facebook has great Android apps. They work well. You actually have good scrolling in Facebook apps on Android, like Instagram and WhatsApp, much better than than like Twitter or other apps. So uh, there is an aspect where if you do put in the investment, I really do think you can make good apps. And the fact of the matter is that I just don't think most companies do. And this isn't a developer problem. It's a management resource allocation problem. And I get that iOS, you make more money there. And that's why they they prioritize it. But you can't come back to me and complain about Apple being this big meanie when you're not doing your part to make the competitive platform as good as it could be. That was that was the point I was trying to make. I was trying to criticize like management of developers, but basically every Android developer in the world <laughs> took it as a personal attack and I've been suffering all weekend for it. September 11th, 
Surface Duo and NG Xbox. Oh, that was no. the problem. It was a bad video card. Bad video card. We replaced it, spent a fortune on a replacement video card and solved all the problems. There we go. Problem solved. But now there's a new round of video cards from NVIDIA that are cheap, both cheaper and faster. But <laughs> um, no, but I, A, I'm old enough and I'm into the, you know, I know how the computer industry works. I'm like, yep, that's just the way it works. But also as part of my research into this whole thing, I learned that high-end gaming PC type components, if you get them very early, they do have a tendency to fail because it's like buying race car parts and like a rev too. So like the replacement RTX 2080 video card we got for the gaming PC, it looks totally different than his old one. I mean, it's a, it's not like, Oh, they tweaked the heatsink. It is a totally different design, completely different design. Even though we bought it from the same company, it's a totally different revision of the same video card. And I think that means it's way more likely to last for a couple of years. So I'm yep. very happy to have bought the two year old, the two year old Rev 2 version of the 2018 high end video card than to, <laughs> to me, make the same mistake again and buy the brand new hot thing right as it comes out. And then you, you spend a day having to debug it. The problem is it's bad for dithering because you being, you being grumpy yeah. about yeah. doing Windows is yeah. so what I <laughs> good for the show. What I should do is, Get the one that's cutting edge, yeah. September 14th, the TikTok circus. The thing that was so maddening earlier this summer was that some of the decisions Apple had clearly been making were they weren't even profiting the company. So why in the world are they you know, squandering goodwill and angering regulators and doing things that just clearly were over the line to common sense over the line, right? You don't have to be a, a, a lawyer to, to say this that doesn't seem right. I mean, it's a classic. It sounds like a big company had like KPIs for their team. It's like we, we need to increase app store revenue by X amount. And they like, when you do that, they figure out a way to increase app store revenue and not, not necessarily think through the consequences. I honestly wonder about that because I actually think that with the app store, I wonder if it was about increasing revenue and if it was, if instead that the target was more about just incentivizing people inside Apple to find apps with services that could have in-app purchases and not really measuring the dollars that would come through. Yeah, that's just, right. Yep. That's a good Just point. checking off the box that, well, here's another app that uh, has in-app purchase that didn't before for a service. Anyway. Uh, that's a good observation. Do you want to buy TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a strategic, <laughs> you know, who knew that the one holding together a cogent TikTok policy was Kevin Mayer? Yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable. You walks out the door and the whole thing falls apart. It just falls apart. September 16th. Time flies. No, it's just that they don't want to sell it around the world to places where English isn't the first line. I mean, now part of this Got is it. me so reading. They, they want to have a universal global bundle, which means it can't be in it just by definition. And they don't want to insinuate to people all around the world and other countries that you should be listening to your fitness stuff in English, even though English isn't your first language, you know? Got it. I, and yep. then it's, you know, you have to get into Apple criminology where you're like, okay, so in the future fitness, I, I, I think in future years and when fitness expands and has speakers of varying languages around the world, you'll see the Apple One bundle change. And I don't think it'll be tied to news in in the highest tier. Yeah, that makes sense. We, we'll have to save the uh, the Apple versus Peloton discussion for another day. 
<laughs> I'm still a bull on Peloton. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's funny watching Apple fans argue that uh something is too expensive and that hardware doesn't matter. It's that's basically it. Peloton is the most Apple like company I can think of in terms of integration of hardware and software, but sort of a basic foundational belief that okay, and it's a cult, just like Apple is. Yeah. But it's a really nice product, which is the starting point of every discussion over Apple, right? It's like, ah, I could buy an HP laptop that does the same thing for half the price. And it's like, yeah, it's a piece of crap. September 18th, always on Kevin Systrom. And then you get to TikTok and it's like you kind of come around and it's not that TikTok is like TV in and of itself, but it sort of has that like just you tuning out and it's just what you want to see and it has nothing to do with your friends and your family you're just flipping around zoning out looking for something that catches your interest and it might be the dumbest stuff you could ever imagine and you tune out for half an hour and there you go and then they just feed you more and more and more and more and more of it right right and it never stops right and that is you know yep. certainly uh, I feel like more and more on these podcasts, I'm starting to really age myself, but I still, I remember, <laughs> do you remember, are you, I, it, it always gets me too, when you're, something happens in between me and you age wise, but do you remember when TV stations used to go off the air? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. And every single one of them. And again, for, and they would like play like the, they would have like an American flag waving yeah, at the yeah. end. <laughs> every stage. Explain that to a kid. Right. <laughs> but I'll bet Trump, Trump wants to probably wants to bring it back. How about we play the national anthem every night? And, you, you know, scroll down TikTok far enough and then the flag starts waving. Right. And, you know, I was a kid at the time and it was very seldom where I was up that late. But if you were sick or something like that, you know, and, and, you know, sleeping on a weird schedule, what was the worst thing possible is all of a sudden TV, there's nothing on. <laughs> like, could you even imagine that today? September 21st, PS5 versus Xbox. Both strategies are very uh, suitable to the companies. It's a Sony-ish Sat strategy for Sony and a very Microsoftish strategy for Microsoft. I wrote about this on Thursday. The other thing about Microsoft is if you think about that cloud sort of cloud gaming future, this very much fits, right? Cause you want a game to work on a computer, work on an Xbox, work on a phone, work in the cloud. Like that's another, you want developers thinking in this sort of multi-platform sort of way. Again, they have a huge cloud business. They have a service business. They want to get into subscriptions more and more. It makes sense to your point for where Microsoft's going. I was mildly optimistic about it in the daily update. I'm like, well, I'm not sure it's going to work. I actually think Sony will probably win this generation, but I like where they're going. But I, as I thought about it, the problem is that the last generation, one of the reasons why Microsoft just got kind of slaughtered by Sony was Sony built a console for gamers and Microsoft tried to build this mic, this living room entertainment system that happened to play games. And they got so wrapped up in the living room part and having it connect and having it be always on and all these sorts of things that they kind of forgot you need to build a good console. And there's a possibility they're making the same mistake here. Now, the Xbox, this looks much better than the last one, but it is concerning that we might look back in a couple of years and say, wow, Microsoft kind of made the same mistake all over again. September 23rd, an iPhone bundle? The way to think about Microsoft's pricing for the Xbox is not that you're paying for the Xbox on an installment plan and you're sort of getting Xbox Game Pass on top of it. The way Microsoft is approaching it, if you think about it strategically, is you're paying for Xbox Game Pass and then you can throw in a console on top of that. 
That's right. that's actually a much more better conceptual framework to understand their strategy. And I just have a hard time seeing Apple ever get away from sort of the and I think that's why it's such a powerful bundle, but I, I have a hard time seeing Apple getting away from sort of the iPhone centricity of their business, which makes a lot of sense. It's a great business, right? I mean, they, they don't need, you know, that's what started getting at. The, the bundle's kind of a nice thing on top. Are they really going to reshape what they're doing like microsoft is definitely completely reshaping their approach to gaming you saw this you know 7.5 billion dollar purchase of uh zenimax right i don't think that apple's necessarily going that far and they don't need to right uh i don't know but it's i i i'm suddenly the i'm being reminded of how they introduced the pricing last year and I think you're right that if they were going to do that way, if the plan is that this is the year where they're going to do a bundle that includes a new iPhone that you pay over a two-year period, maybe this is the way they would introduce it, is at least three weeks in advance establish, here's what the Apple One costs on its own. And heck, for just adding $30 a month, you can get a new iPhone and included with the bundle. September 25th, Substack. I have mixed feelings about it. Overall, I'm very happy. I, and, uh, you know, we're talking because uh, Casey Newton, longtime Verge staff writer now, has started his own publication, Platformer, which is like a really good name. No, no, you know, Stratechery is a good name, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to go with a self-deprecating joke, but uh, you, you beat me to it. But I do, I do find it a little weird that Substack is so single-handedly dominating this space. It is such a weird thing to me that I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's something to talk about. Like, is that just the way everything works? Like power dynamics, you know, power law distribution and like all of a sudden somebody gets a little big and then they just get super big, you know, like the way WordPress sort of won the blogging battle and maybe I think it, it might be. Temporary. I mean, because the thing with WordPress is, you know, WordPress quickly built like an ecosystem around it where, you know, you had the plugins and you had the theme developers and you had all the bits and pieces that, you know, made it, you know, in the fact that 20 years, 20 years on, it's still, still going strong. Whereas I, I think Substack, what, what Substack has gotten right is it is genuinely really easy to get started. Like you, mm. you go up and you put in your information and you can have, you're ready to go. And if you want to get paid, you have to open a Stripe account and you put in your Stripe information and boom, you're ready to go. September 28th, sports and widget Smith. Yeah. And the other thing too, we talked about this as a meta level, just real quick, but the, you know, how to, how to do this, the, the noise, the, the fake crowd noise, right? Yeah. And I feel like they've gotten away from that from the NBA. Like they're not really doing fake crowd noise at all anymore. I kind of miss it. I think so too. I think it's very strange. I was that's where that's where I was going. Is it just seems to me like the the NBA kind of had something good going on there where they were faking it really well, and now it's like yeah, they just have like turn it up a little, turn it down a little. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if it's even on. I barely even notice it anymore. I completely yeah. agree. I, and I th- I've compl- I've I've definitely missed it on some of these on some of these plays. I think what they should do. I I, I mean this. I and I feel like it's too late now to hook it up. But the M- NFL should hook it up where you pay money. And you get a, a like a, an app, and it has like three three or four things you can press, and and only fifty thousand people can pay for it, you know, for the game. And then you get to pump the noise in with buttons on an app, 
And, uh, I think the that NFL, is just, that, that is asking for troublemakers. They could make a ton. Well, you don't get to shout anything, but, but like I was watching the Eagles game. The Eagles played here in, in Philly today and there's no fans and, and there was a penalty play and it went against the Eagles and they did play a little spattering of booze and it was the worst simulation of Philadelphia booing. <laughs> it's like, let the Philly fans have a button, man. They would, they would make this happen. Yeah, they'd probably break the button. Um, by the way, congratulations on your commanding lead in the NFC East. <laughs> September 30th, Amazon won. I think the bigger objection, I think you kind of just sort of mentioned it in passing, is do other stores want to sort of yeah. help out Amazon in this way, right? I think that's right. the much more bigger objection. I see that being a bigger reason why this doesn't get traction right. as opposed to like sort of consumer rebellion. Again, for better or worse, I mean, consumers might be stupid in not rebelling about this, but I, I guess I, I think I'm inclined to think that people aren't going to be bothered by it. Again, maybe that's a mistake, but to me, the bigger issue is, yeah, why, why, why would any store want to help Amazon out? <laughs> yeah, as much as consumers might have a widely positive view of Amazon, other retailers definitely, <laughs> do, definitely not. do not. Yeah. <laughs> and their repu- and, and the whole, uh, I would say the core reason that Amazon was called before the House anti-competitive hearing, God, what was that, a year ago? <laughs> A month ago, a week ago, <laughs> uh, I would say one of the single biggest issues that Bezos was there to address was this idea of Amazon using their data from third party sellers on Amazon.com to create their own products and use the mark, you know, aggregate all that data for their Amazon's own advantage. Right. I mean, that's yep. to whatever the, and again, I think there's certainly some truth to it. They've admitted to some of it, right? And however much is in dispute, retailers certainly have the idea that you can't, they can't trust Amazon with their data. So what did we talk about in September? I don't even remember. What happened? What just happened, Ben? <laughs> we actually talked a lot about consoles. It was a very, uh, and I tried out Android. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit all over the place. But uh, consoles, I think, was the big one. The PS5 versus Xbox, the subscription. And, you know, it was funny because it was a nice sort of follow-up to all the App Store talk from last month, but in a, a different sort of direction. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and the strategy implications of it. And it even brings Apple into the argument with the, uh, Xbox Game Pass and how the streaming nature of Xbox Game Pass is sort of leading the way for Microsoft and Xbox strategically, even though they are selling brand new console hardware systems, which is probably the best way to play their games going forward. But they've got a solution that works everywhere through streaming. Uh, it was a good topic this month. Well, that's a bundle talk too, because the Microsoft thing is a bundle. You had the Apple One bundle. We speculated on an an iPhone One bundle. And it was good because uh, not just did a lot of stuff happen, but also I think there's a lot of stuff sort of look forward to where we can revisit some some of these topics going forward. Yeah, everybody's got a One. Apple One, now we've got Amazon One. We talked about that at the end of the month. That's their new payment program. We should should have maybe called Dithering Preview. We should have called it Dithering One. (laughs) What I do like about it is that Google One is like storage and Apple One is like a bundle of all these right. services that people kind of want. And Amazon One is we are scanning the palms of everyone in the universe. <laughs> Feels very on brand. Well, anyway, enjoy this month's clips. And subscribe at dithering.fm.